go ahead and pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word, for, uh, for who you are. I'm just super thankful, God, for your love that it reaches, Lord, to the depths of our soul, Lord, that, that, that your love and your ability, your compassion, your mercy, God, your mercy is new every single day, Lord. Father, I pray that as we open your word, Lord, and continue to worship Jesus through the reading of, his, of your word, that, that the cares of our day, Lord, would be gone, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would remove any distractions, Lord, whether it be an air conditioner or for those online, the way things look or sound or anything, Father, that, Lord, you would just help us to focus upon you, God, as if our very life depends upon it. Thank you, Lord, that your word never turns back void, that it's powerful, that it accomplishes the work within us that you desire to accomplish, to reveal who we are, Lord, as people who <laughs> aren't perfect. And thank you that you don't leave us in that state, that you encourage us and you give us opportunity and you, 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 you tell us, God, to turn from our ways and to turn to God and to walk with you. And, and you wanna bless us in that, Father. You wanna bless our lives as we serve you, God. Thank you that even in the hurting and, 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 and the discontent that you know how to minister to us, you know how to carry us through the seasons of our lives, God, when we don't even sense that you're there, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would give us a right perspective today, Lord, as we reopen the book of Acts, Lord. Father, will you just minister to us? And I pray, Lord, that all of us would receive what you have, Lord, that you'd write upon the fleshly tablets of our hearts, God, that we wouldn't leave this place missing out on what you have for us, Lord. I pray for those watching on the live stream that you'd minister to them as well. And maybe even later in the podcast or video or whatever, Lord, however you give us opportunity to get your word out there, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity you give us, the technology you give us, God. Thank you that your word is what stands, Lord, for eternity. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your grace, God. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so uh, it's kind of going to be interesting. I was spending quite a lot of time praying after, you know, Gideon, and I, I just... I don't, I don't like piecemealing through the word. You know, sometimes the Lord will put something on my heart that, you know, either topically or just a section of the Bible to go through. And um, when we uh, started doing live stream out of our house in March, um, stopped going through John and started Acts and then kind of took a, a, a break off of that. If you want, and I, and I was like, Lord, do I restart going through Acts? Do I not? Do I, do I go back to the beginning? And I thought, well, if I go to the beginning and people go, there's gonna be like all these double videos or whatever of the same scriptures. And not that the messages would be the same per se, but, and so um, I encourage you, if you wanna listen to Acts um, online, it is from Acts chapter one all the way to Acts chapter three, verse one through 10 is what's on our website, on our podcast, or YouTube, or Facebook. So those videos, audios there for you. <coughs> um, and so I'm kind of going to give a recap of Acts chapter 3 a little bit in the beginning of it, and what occurred, and then we're going to pick up 
Today, our text is gonna be Acts chapter three, verse 11, through Acts chapter four, verse four. Um, and so um, to give a, a good account, um, Jesus already ascended to heaven. The disciples had already been in the upper room waiting. There were about 150 of them. The Lord had told them, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Wait for the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes upon them. The day of Pentecost happens. They speak in tongues, tongues of fire upon them. That's still kind of a mystery of what that really looked like. People have tried to decipher that throughout the ages. And I still don't know what a tongue of fire is. I know what fire is, but I don't ever want it on my tongue. Um, and I'm not making fun of it. It was just a very supernatural, miraculous situation that occurred in the church. The day of Pentecost was a one day only event. The birth of the church, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon Christ's true followers. It was uh, during the feast of Pentecost. And so you had all of <clears throat> these folks all from all over the nations in one place. During this feast, all of them started hearing their own languages. They were drawn in. Peter gave a very convicting message 3,000 people came to know the Lord. Um, and so fast forward from that section, go through chapter two and then chapter three, you have in the beginning of chapter three, you have Peter and John. And um, if you wanna put up this slide here and if you wanna put that on live stream too, just kind of give you guys an example. Jacob, if you wanna throw that slide up on here, that'd be awesome. Give him a second, he'll be able to click on it and go. And if you guys can... It'll go on to the live stream as well. So if you scroll down on the left side, you will see that. I just want to give this picture to come up here. So <clears throat> while they're getting that ready, so Peter and John um, were on the way to the temple. It was the hour of prayer. Is it working? If it's not. Yeah, if it's not working, that's fine. That's okay. Maybe restart it. It's okay. No big deal. Um, so Peter and John uh, were, were, were coming to the temple, the hour of prayer. <clears throat> there was this lame man from birth that was begging at the gate beautiful. He was always put there every day. And he was at the gate beautiful because possibly maybe that's where all the you know, wealthy people went through. So he was there begging <clears throat> for alms. Uh, he saw Peter and John and asked them for money. Um, Peter looked at the man and said to him they didn't have any money, but what he did have, he was going to give to them, which was a healing in the name of Jesus. And so that's what occurred in, in a very general sense, um, you know, prior to Acts chapter 3, verse 11. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and read through this text, and then we'll break it apart and uh, see what the Lord wants to teach us out of this. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 11. Now, as a lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's greatly, which it, to the porch, which is called Solomon's greatly amazed. So they're at Solomon's porch. This is a section that is around, I don't know if it went up there, a section that's around, there's an outer court. Um, if you can go online, check out what, Herod's temple looked like. So there's a section that was called Solomon's Porch. It was on one side, had a lot of columns. It was a common area where people would gather. And so <clears throat> that's the scene. You have um, Jews that would be there. So it was almost like, I mean, modern day, like a church scenario, you know? So they were in the place where Jews would be believers in, 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 in uh, the, the uh, 
want to say temple policies because they weren't believers in Jesus at this time. The religious folks of the time, they would gather there. So it was a public place. Um, so back to the text here. So uh, they're at Solomon's porch. So verse 12, it says, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why, why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate. Sorry, that phone distracted me. When he, w when he was determined to let him go. So Pilate determined to let Jesus go. Verse 14, but you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. Verse 16, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him being Jesus was given him, the man, this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance as did also your rulers. I'm so, yeah, yet now. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow as many as have spoken have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you, the first God, having raised up his servant, Jesus sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Chapter four, verse one. Now, as they spoke to the people, being Peter, John, says they, but most likely this is Peter. The priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So you remember <clears throat> the number of the church after the day of Pentecost when Peter gave a very stern 
sermon to them, message to them. 3,000 came to know the Lord. Now there's 5,000. I'm not sure if it's a total of 5,000 or 5,000 came. The way the text is, I believe it's 2,000 added to the three. So what in the world is going on here? <clears throat> there's one thing as I was studying, I, one thing stood out to me. And I really wrestled with this because I was like, Lord, there's just this one verse, this three, four words that stands out to me when I'm reading this text that I believe is applicable to us as God's people. But I wanted to have context of what was going on. And you see, in verse 11 and 12, now as the man, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter, the man was fully healed. He wasn't holding on to Peter because he was limping or because what God did with him was incomplete. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when the Lord sent somebody to your life that was super important or, 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 or super powerful in your life, in your walk, all of us have this time day stamp. If we know the Lord, God sent somebody to us, a preacher, a message, a person. I don't think that we, in our heart and mind, we didn't just, okay, well, I'm saved and we absolutely forgot what happened. You know, I hear so many testimonies, you know, that somebody ministers to somebody and they never see them again. Five years later, they're like, they, it's like clear as day, they know exactly what had happened in their life. So, so when God does something miraculous in somebody's life, it's not partial. And, and we wanna gravitate towards the people that have led us to the Lord. We wanna bond with them. This, this lame man wanted to stay connected with Peter and John. So I just want you to understand that he, he wasn't holding on to him because of partial healing or anything. And, and again, the, you know, also, I, I, I really wanna stress that the most important thing that can ever be healed in a person's life is our soul and us being reconciled with God. Um, without salvation, the body is going to die anyways. Um, we can have a healing happen in our life, but unless our soul is saved, unless we have repented and turned our life to God, then really there's no real miracle in our lives. I'm, I, I, I don't mean to sound rash or brash, but that's the reality. You know, when we were praying this morning as a, as, as a, as a team, you know, one of us started praying about people in this community that we're doing ministry and that, that their lives hang in the balance of eternity. And, and if you take into the context of what Peter is speaking, you gotta remember that he's speaking to Jewish people. He's not speaking to uh, Gentiles. Um, he's speaking to Jewish people that are in the temple. They, they, these people knew about Christ's crucifixion. These people knew um, the Old Testament. They knew um, the heritage of God through, through the Old Testament. Um, and so you have to take into account who, who Peter's speaking to, and, and, and we'll get to this, but Peter, God uses Peter in such an amazing way to, to share with them the grace and the love and the opportunity change the direction that they're going. And so I don't, I, I, this one thing stood out to me. Verse 12 says this. In, uh, in the end of verse 11, picture this. Um, you have 
the temple, you have the outside court. Um, in our own life, it'd probably be, you know, a big area where people are congregating and everything and, 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 and people are talking. It wasn't the Holy of Holies. So, you know, it's probably a really social area. Um, this, man had, was already, this man was already at um, the Gate Beautiful. So I don't know if the picture was up there, but the Gate Beautiful would be here and, and Solomon's porch would be the outer area. So Peter and John, after this happened, they're walking towards this common area away from the Holy of Holies away from the temple entrance. Um, and so this is the outer court. And so I want you guys to think about that. So you have John and Peter, and, 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 the, and the text says all the, all the people ran together. So it wasn't this, hey, how you doing, Emily? Just one person, what's going on? It was a crowd of people that witnessed what happened with this man. And so they were rushing in, and they were at Solomon's porch, and these people were greatly amazed they were exclaiming. I don't think they were just like, oh, that's a nice car, dude. You know, it's kind of like uh, when we were at the men's retreat, you know, there's this guy who had this Harley and this Harley was sick, man. I'm telling you, it, it was, it was a, an amazing bike. I mean, I love motorcycles, cars, boats, planes, anything with engines. And I was just, I mean, it, the paint job was just this unreal color that was not normal. It was this crazy gray blue with flake in it and had this, this exhaust pipe that came down and it was cut in half and it was all no baffles in it. And, and you started up and, it, and I smelled like an exhaust when I left talking to the guy. It's like, it was alive. It was amazing. And, it, and, and so, some, so I want you to picture whatever in your life would be amazing to where you wouldn't be able to keep your mouth shut about it and it would cause everything inside of you to go start bragging or exclaiming or lifting somebody up. Because I was praising this guy on his bike, okay? I wasn't like, hey man, praise the Lord for your motorcycle. I was like, that thing's crazy awesome. He built the bike. Yeah, and he's had two motors in it and everything. And so it's like, we weren't praising God. We were praising this creation. We were praising what he had done. And, and I don't think that's sacrilegious. I think, I'm sorry, I'm, maybe I'm a little biased, but you know, it's like if my, if my wife designs something, you know, praise the Lord for my wife, right? But man, she's a designer. Like she used to have this keyboard all wrapped. And I was like, that's amazing. How'd you think about that? Gina, she goes, I don't know. I took drawer paper and put it on it. I wouldn't have thought of that, you know? And so I was, my focus was on her and it was on what she did. So think about that. That's what happened here with these people. These religious people saw this happen and their focus was not on God. It wasn't on Jesus. It wasn't on anything except, and we'll get in a later text. It was on Peter, John, and the man. And I may get in trouble here, but how many churches have we gone to where the focus is on the men or the women or the worship or the lighting or the way it sounded or the preacher or the miracle that happened. Because everything in the Bible points to Jesus. If Jesus is not the focus, then we've missed the mark. And so think about Peter and John being in the religious place, the, the, the thronging of everybody coming and exclaiming. Could you imagine how their pride might've been? I, I, I mean, they're humans right? I mean, I can't say I wouldn't have been, oh yeah, you know what? Yep. I touched that man, man. He got up. He'd been lame forever. But think about it for a second. How many times do we actually give God the glory or do we give ourselves the glory? And I, and, and I want us to focus on this piece here. 
Maybe we'll get through the rest of the text. I don't know. But these, this, this little section here of verse 12. So when Peter saw it, he responded. Circle that, highlight it, and write a note next to it. When I see things, do I respond? Because see, I, 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 I hate to say this, but there's, the church in general is, has apathy. It's stagnant. It's, 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 it's a culture of feed me and I'm not feeding anybody. And I don't mean going out and feeding homeless. I mean spiritually. It's a culture of entitlement. And that's not godly. And so when I was studying, I was looking at this and it just stood out like this bright, crazy thing in my forefront of my mind that Peter saw it. He saw it for what it was. And he responded. Friends, are you willing to respond when the Holy Spirit puts somebody in your life? I know some of us have. I've experienced that with some of us. Didn't know each other. Had nothing to lose. We're open, prayed for each other. That's kind of scary. But I want you to think about who Peter was just a few months before all this. He was a guy who said, Jesus, you're not going to go on the cross. Jesus accounted with Satan and said, get behind me. So don't ever think that God has not called you or wants you or, or empowered you or given you the opportunity to see what's happening around you and respond. Because there's people in your life and there's people in my life that God wants us to respond to. And he wants us to be, he wants us to be, he wants us to be real with them. And he wants us to be transparent with them. See, people are hungry to see truth in reality. And that's not what's happening in the world. We were at a men's conference yesterday and that was talked a lot about like, you know, relativism, like even in the body. So Peter starts speaking to them. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? See, these people, like I mentioned, they ran to him. They were amazed. And Peter saw that they were amazed at the human thing and not the supernatural, not Jesus. And I don't mean supernatural, like some places out there, hocus pocus, gold flakes from the ceiling. I'm not talking about that. But Peter engaged them. Why are you looking at us? Why are you focus on me? Such a temptation for us to do that. To take the glory and make it our own instead of God's. So he goes in and he starts painting this picture for them that they knew was already who they were. See, verse 13, he goes in and he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. See, God glorified Jesus Christ as the servant. See, Jesus fulfilled God's purpose and plan for the redemption of the world for you 
and for I. And he was saying, hey, look, you know, it's not us. It's who you know through God the Father, or through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers. It's Jesus' servant. He starts painting this picture. Philippians 2, 6 through 11 says this, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of man. This is so convicting for me, okay? Are we making ourselves a reputation? Are we making Jesus' reputation? This is such an example of Christ's character. And when you say, oh, I wanna be more like Christ, this is like, this hits home. Verse eight in Philippians chapter two says this, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus willfully died for you and for me. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. You know, if you're afraid at night, speak the name of Jesus out loud. Put some worship music on. Verse 10, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. So everything living, seen or unseen will worship Jesus. That's his, who he is. It's not will, is. I mean, in, in God's time, it's already, eternity is already happening. We don't have a clock in heaven in, from what I understand, not like we have here. This is who Christ is. And this is who Peter is reminding them of who he is, this glorified, his servant, Jesus. Verse 11 of Philippians 2 says this, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know that whether somebody believes in Jesus or not, that they will one day confess that Jesus is Lord. He's either gonna be the Lord of your life in eternity or you're gonna recognize him as the Lord of that you denied and are separated from him for eternity. So the other section of verse 13, Peter starts pointing out the sins of people. You know, um, unless we came to a point of recognizing that we were deficient compared to what God was asking of us, we never would have chosen Jesus. Without that contrast, we, don't, we can't choose. We're just, we're lost. That's why I, a lot of times when I pray, I pray, Lord, will you take the scales from the eyes and the hearts of those, you know? That has to be revealed to people. My job isn't the job to save anybody. You're, you can't save, none of us can save anybody. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But God calls us to speak truth to people. I've had some very, very hard conversations with people before. And they, they're hard. And I've said things sometimes where it's just like, wow, okay, I'm gonna use Elisha as an example. Elisha and I don't even know each other a year. But God gave him boldness one day, and I'm gonna be very transparent here. I have a, a tendency to be controlling. And... Um, a lot of times God will use our biggest weaknesses as our strength and leaders can tend to see things and they wanna get it done and they, we, we tend to be this way. 
like an ax. An ax doesn't question what it's gonna do, it's just gonna cut the wood. Well, that, that doesn't work well when you're leading people. And um, my wife and I working in ministry together, you see sometimes that my failures at, at not being that way with my wife. And so when we were doing live streams at my house, you have Gina and I working and Elisha was helping. We have a bunch of people that came over to help serve. And Elisha, I don't even know this guy, man. I don't even know how it came out. He just said, I don't know how your wife's with you. You're so controlling. <laughs> we were sitting in his car at his house. It was after we were working on his truck that we both wanted to throw off a cliff because it wouldn't work fixed. <laughs> but it was, but I'm telling you, you know what? That stung. It hurt me because here's somebody who hasn't even known me a year. And I could have been like, you know what? You're a young idiot. I'm 47 years old. You're 20-something years old. Why should I listen to you? you? What have you accomplished in your life? But what it did was I had, I, 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 my answer to him, I was quiet. I remember, man, it was like, you could drop a pin in this car, dude. You're just, it's like, and he was like, I think we're both, I think we're both kind of dumbfounded that this happened. And I said, you're right. And see when I, and see now, and that was, uh, Elisha just took boldness to do that. You know, even after me working for three, eight, four hours on a stupid truck and not even fixing it, he wanted to beat me up. But see, God's word also says that the enemy multiplies kisses, but the wounds of a friend are faithful. Yes. And they're, faith, they're faithful to grow us in the Lord. And so with that biblical standard of communicating, Peter starts talking with his brothers and sisters that don't know the Lord because he loves them and he wants them to recognize their sin. By the way, Elisha, thank you for being real. Don't ever stop doing that. People need real people in life. Amen. So Peter goes on in the end of verse 13 and says this, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. See, Pilate found Jesus totally innocent. Jesus was innocent. He was an innocent lamb of God. He was pure. There was no sin in him. He, he didn't break any laws. He fulfilled all of them, actually. The only thing he broke was man's concept of God's law. Verse 14 says this, but you denied the Holy One. So he's going in and he's, he's laying this heavy, thick thing upon them. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. See, they denied the Holy One, the one that's set apart. He's proclaiming that, that, that Jesus is the Holy One, like the one that is spoken of through all the Old Testament. And that he was just. In other words, there was no wrong in him. And he said, you asked for a murderer. He's saying basically, look, the Messiah came you totally denied who he was and you traded him for a murderer who actually was unjust and was unholy. How many times do we trade what God wants to do for us for something that's fleshly or sinful? I mean, in essence, that's what the Israelites did. That's what the Jewish people did. 
the Jews are still God's chosen folks. They, they're, they're the apple of his eye. They're like the, they're, they're, the, they're the love of him. That's why the gospel went to them first. It wasn't until Paul came on the scene that the gospel started getting preached to those who aren't Jewish. See, it's kind of interesting because the focus was on the Jewish and then the, the Gentiles. And, 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 and you know, when, when we don't listen to God, he does move on, I think, sometimes. And he gives us over to our own ways because he's just and he's loving and he wants our free will to be the evidence of us choosing him. I encourage you, if you haven't read this before, please go to Isaiah 53 and read it this week. <clears throat> Isaiah 53 speaks of how Jesus Christ was going to be denied. Isaiah 53, three says this, he is despised and rejected by men. And, and, and you have to remember, Isaiah was hundreds of years prior to Jesus. The prophecy that Isaiah wrote in 53 is so amazing. It speaks of Jesus, his walk, his life, his, his death, his person, that, that it's, just, it's just amazing. It, encapul it, it, it encapsulates the who, what, when, where about Christ. It's just a great text to read. But verse three in chapter 53 of Isaiah says this, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. That's exactly, see what's fascinating is that in, in, in the Israelites, the Jewish people's denial of God, Savior, Messiah, they fulfilled what was prophesied about Christ. It's kind of amazing how God gets the glory whether we follow his plan or not. It's because he's God and he's worthy to be praised, just like the song we sang. I found it fascinating, verse 15, it says, killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. At first I thought prince, okay, royalty and everything. And I looked that up and it means the prince of peace. The word prince here means author, prince of life, the author of life. Jesus is the author of life. The life that you breathe in and out of your lungs. Life is through Christ. He is the author of it. He created it. He made it happen. Amen. John 1, 1 through, John 1, 1 through 5 is a great encapsulation of that. It says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This is speaking of Jesus. Jesus is the word. He's the word of life. Verse three of John 1 says this, all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made. If, why aren't people worshiping Jesus? Verse four, in him was the life and the life was the light of men. Like Paul wrote, the author of life. John 1, 5 says this. I'll just finish it out since I made reference to it. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Do you see the theme here? Jesus comes, 
He is who he is. He's the author of life. He's this amazing, beautiful, loving savior that gave his life for those who un undeserving people, which is us. And there's people who aren't gonna believe that. And the, the religious leaders and the Jewish people, they denied Christ. They didn't believe that he was the light. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah. Verse 16 of Acts chapter three says this, and his name, <clears throat> through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him, being Jesus, has given him, being the man, this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. See, Peter is referring to what had happened in verse six of chapter three, the very first part. It says this, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. This is Acts chapter three, verse six. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. See, what, G, what, what Peter gave this man was Jesus. So don't miss this, folks. It's by the name of Jesus Christ alone that we are saved. It's not by anything else. It's not Jesus and. If your theology is Jesus and, then it's a false theology of who Jesus is. Do you trust Jesus? Do you have faith in him? See, he is the Messiah, the savior of the world, the savior of you and of our souls, of you and my soul and of the communities that we live in and work in. And have you placed your faith in Christ today? Those online, you know, I'm, have you placed your faith in Jesus or have you denied him? And we, we have to come to terms with that. Verse 17 Acts says this, yet now brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance so as did also your ruler. So, Peter totally takes the two by four out and smacks them all across the head and says, you, the Messiah came, you denied him, you killed him, you, 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 you wanted a murderer instead of him. You guys, are, you guys allowed this to happen. But then you see this piece here where it, it flips. See, it's one thing if we go to people that we have relationships with and we're always beating them up, you know, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. But if we don't give people the opportunity to come to a place of repentance and learn about the grace and love and mercy of Jesus, then we've missed the mark in regards to sharing the love of Christ with people. So that always needs to be our focus. That was Peter's focus from the very beginning. If you look I, I encourage you to look, read through Acts. The focus is always Jesus. Amen. It's always Jesus. <clears throat> and it's always an opportunity to unravel man's thinking of God and reestablish the truth of who God is through his word. And it's important in our lives to do that as well. Verse 17 says this, <clears throat> yet now, brethren, I know that you did in ignorance, as did also your rulers. So, so Peter switches gears, like I mentioned here, and he, he, being, he begins to speak to them of how they acted out of ignorance. There's a difference between sinning willfully and sinning and not knowing it was really what it was. See, they had no 
real understanding that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. See, their concept was that Jesus was gonna come in as a soldier and destroy the Roman government and he was gonna come with a sword and this big triumphant entry and he came in on a donkey. It made no sense to them. And so they, 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 they couldn't get past that. Just like Isaiah prophesied about the denial of Jesus. Yes, they were fulfilling scripture, but we're still accountable for our actions. And so Peter goes on, he says that they were ignorant and that the rulers were ignorant, that they didn't understand that Jesus was Messiah, Messiah being the Christ, the one, the prophesied one to save us. That's what Messiah is. So Christ didn't match their expectations. How many times does God not match our expectations? Oh my goodness. That's why we need to be in the word of God. We also see how Jesus responded while he was on the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 34 says this. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And they, didn't, and they divided his garments and cast lots. It's Luke chapter 23, verse 34. You know, I always wondered about that. And then when I started reading this text, I was like, oh, this is what Jesus is talking about. They didn't know what they were doing because they denied the truth of who Jesus was. And so there's this grace in our life, right? That God gives us this grace and mercy that when he, his, his whole purpose for that is to draw us to Jesus into a right relationship with him to confess our sins to the Lord because he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's because of his love. God is love. His love draws us to repentance. And Peter so graciously turns this whole thing around. And verse 18 says this, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So, so he's reminding them, hey, look, everything that God had foretold, it, it, Christ fulfilled that. Like he is who you guys said that was coming. He fulfilled all of that. Like I mentioned, read Isaiah 53. And unknowingly, the Jewish folks, they were a part of this plan. God's plan for Christ to suffer in our place. Jesus fulfilled that plan. Verse 19, repent, there's that word, metanoia. <laughs> repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. See, Peter lovingly called on the people to turn from their sins and to turn to God. That's what repent means. Turn from your way, turn to God's way, that their sins would be blotted out. We don't really have this concept anymore. Um, a blotter used to like cover up stuff. You know, it would, you, 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 you get this blotter and it, 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 it takes away what was already there. So, so, so in essence, what he's saying is that your sins that are written down, Christ is gonna, it, it blots that out. And, and that, that's what the Lord does for us. When we repent, we're converted. God does a miraculous thing in us and our sins are blotted out. God's word says that our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. 
The sea of forgetfulness. I don't forget my sin. Trust me, I don't forget your sin either if you sin against me. But God forgets it, you know? And man, help us all for not being bitter and unforgiving. The Lord, you need to help us. Thank you for that, Lord, for giving us that opportunity to be like you in this. But, and then, and then, and then so then after that, there's this refreshing that God brings in a person's life. There's a newness that happens, a newness of life that occurs. This refreshing can't happen until we repent, until we turn to God. This refreshing can't happen until we're converted by the power of the Holy Spirit, by recognizing that Jesus is Lord and wanting that in our lives. So Peter, in essence, was calling out this for national repentance, you know, and, and, and however this would start in an individual, but that's really what was going on here. He, he, in his, as, he essentially was saying, look, he offered Israel the opportunity to hasten the return of Jesus by embracing him on a national level. Restoration of all things, that includes the repentance of all the nation, excuse me, of the Jewish people, but it never happened. And that's why the Lord went from the Jews to the Gentiles, offered it to us. Still hasn't happened yet. This speaks about Christ coming back in his second coming. Verse 22, for Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, whom you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. So Peter quoted Deuteronomy 8.15 and, uh, I'm sorry, 18.15 to 18 and, and 18, 18, 19. Deuteronomy 15 says this, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, whom you shall hear. Deuteronomy 18, 18 says this, if I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, speaking about Moses, and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So you have to remember, Moses was God's mouthpiece. He was the director. There was this, it was God, Moses, and God's people. Well, when Jesus came, it was God, Jesus to the world. And so God ordained God ordained this to happen with Christ. And so Paul is, sorry, Peter is referencing that Old Testament and they would have known that. They knew this. Verse 19 says, and it shall, this is Deuteronomy 18. <clears throat> and it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. In other words, we're held accountable whether we proclaim that Jesus is Lord or not. People can't go through life and go, eh, you know, whatever happens, happens. That's not the way it is. So Peter's warning them. Verse 23 says this, and it shall be that every soul who will not hear the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. It's pretty heavy duty. One day, when all of us die, we're all gonna die one day, Lord willing, it's a long time from now, unless Jesus comes back. And unless we have Christ in us, we don't have any place in heaven. And Peter was being very specific about this with them. We're almost done. Verse 24 through 26 of Acts 3 says this. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel 
And those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God having raised up his servant, Jesus sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. So listen to this, you guys. And what he's saying is God's desire to bless us and to do good for us also includes his desire to turn us all away from our sins. So Peter takes this serious account and, and points them to the grace of the cross. And it's important in our lives that that happens with us when we communicate with people. Like in the beginning, Peter was aware. He saw he was aware. And we need to be praying that God makes us aware of those around us. I don't, you know, I, I really don't believe that this was, you know, Peter's like, hey, I have this education. I'm going to go do this job. That's not who Peter was. He was, I probably, if I was in a bar fight, I probably want Peter with me. You know, not that I'm, I'm not in bars anymore, but Peter was ruthless and he was a fisherman and he was a man's man. I mean, he's a dude who cut off somebody's ear in the garden. He was, he was a very brash, very outgoing person. And you see this where God used that to be critical with people when he needed to be critical, but then his focus was Jesus. And so this whole, and, and this is us. I want, I want you guys, this is for us. Don't separate yourselves from the story of Acts and yeah, that's Peter and that's John and, and, and that's the chosen dozen or 150 or 3,000 or whatever. But it's important that we look at this and we recognize that these were regular, everyday people that God decided to use. And that's who we are. And I don't know where all of our lives are at, okay? Some of us have hurts, habits, and hangups. I learned that from AA. Oh, that. It was one place I was at after my heydays. Anyways, heydays that were bad hay. Anyways, um, and some of us have that. And it's important that we, man, that we don't filter what the Lord wants to do in our lives through that hurt or, or through that frustration. And then we take a look and say, okay, you know, Peter and John, God, God miraculously anointed them on the day of Pentecost. And anointing for ministry is available for us today. Amen. You know, there's, there's, there's two things that happen in a believer's life. First is the filling of the Holy Spirit for salvation. Second is anointing us for ministry. Um, we can't do anything in our lives without God empowering us. And you'll hear me probably say this till the, till the day I die, is that God wants to use his church to minister to those around us. And that's all of you. And that's all of you. Um, it's not the pastor's job. You know, I'm, I'm watching some of the men in this ministry and some of the ladies, and I'm just like, when am I gonna have to step back, Lord, and just, okay. Because the Lord is actively sifting our hearts and directing us and he wants to use us in this season when people need hope. They don't need a club. They don't need, I, I wanna go to a club to sit in a spa, but I, 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 you know, the church shouldn't be that, you know. And just encourage you guys, this is the mindset and attitude that God wants us to have, that to be aware of what's going on to not focus on man's pride, you know, to not focus on those types of things. And, and you know what? It, it, we're not perfect, you know? 
I would rather have a, a, a person <clears throat> in my life that was honest with their failures, like my conversation with, with, with Elisha, where we could pray and work through the minutia of life and the struggles and the frustrations and watch the Lord mold us into what Christ wants us to look like so that really when we go out and talk to people, it's not because I'm a great outgoing person, it's because God made me sensitive to talk to somebody that if I wasn't waiting on the Lord or sensitive to that, I would never have talked to somebody. When we've done outreaches, Kevin came out one time and Kevin was across the street because <laughs> he recognized a guy from work, the guy that plays heck of secular music at like 105 decibels while he's cleaning his Harley and none of it's Christian music, you know? And, and Roy and I are like, oh, I remember when we used to listen to that music, you know? And his wife even talked to us a couple of weeks before that when we were doing outreach and we were having a conversation and he, he, he showed up and like almost like, hey, you know, it's time to go kind of thing, you know? And so, and, and Kevin didn't know that. Kevin worked with him a long time ago. You know, and then he went and talked to somebody else that was off in the distance. And, and that, it, it, how many of you know how to speak English? Everyone needs to raise their hand. You know, I don't spell well, <laughs> but, we, but we know how to speak, you know? We know how to talk. And God has gifted all of us with that. And if Jesus lives inside of you, then he's gifted you to be able to talk about Jesus with those around you. And that's what happened here. Peter and John weren't anything special compared to us. They were his disciples, yes, okay. They were the founders of the church, yes, they had that position. But the same God who lived in them lives in us, you know, and he wants to change our lives, you know. And I'm not saying everything's easy, and I'm not saying that we're all, we're gonna always do this, but I just wanted, I felt like the Lord was like this, Brian, this is what I want you to encourage the body with today, you know. And so it's just a miraculous thing. In Acts chapter four, verse one through four, I'll close with this. Sorry, I've gone a little long today. <clears throat> um, I'll just read through it. Uh, now as, the, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain, the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. So here come the vultures. Here come the angry people. Here come the, 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 the hurtful people, those that are against what God's doing. Even though they had... The, the clothing of priests <laughs> or the position of that in a sense. So verse two, it says, it's being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they were mad that, they were, that Jesus was still being preached. It's like, we killed the dude. Uh, why are you still talking about him? Um, and they laid hands on them and they put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. So they put them in jail because they couldn't try them because trials weren't supposed to happen at night then. But it was the first persecution of the church is what happened here. It was the very first scene. So it's kind of interesting. You don't get too far off from when the first, when the church started to the first persecution, they got thrown in jail. But this is amazing. Verse four, I love this. God doesn't leave it on a down note. However, many of those who heard the word, the word being what Peter spoke, by the power of the Holy Spirit, being sensitive to what was going on. I added that. <laughs> but uh, they believed. And the number, uh, well, I didn't know if you're reading through your Bible with me. Um, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. What a miraculous thing. And it wasn't because Peter set out to save people. It's because Peter was sensitive to what the focus needed to be. So, 
Um, if any of you need prayer today for anything, um, I'll be up front. Um, I know Gina can pray with any of the ladies. Uh, during worship, it was just on my heart. Um, if Roy wants to pray with anybody, Keevan, or if you guys need prayer for anything right now. If you want to, I'm going I'm to close the service and then um, you can stop the live stream in a second. Father God, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace and your love. And um, just ask that you would just continue to minister to us as you see fit. Thank you, God, for this section of scripture and just for, for speaking to us today, Lord, through it. And, and um, thank you for the reminder of, of, of what you want to speak to us, Lord. I just pray that you would just, um, just whatever is of you, you would just write it deeply into us, God. And I pray for opportunity for us to minister to those around us, Father. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit and your leading. And uh, we need that, Lord. We need that to come from you, God. Help us to be outward focused um, and not inward focused, Lord. 